0: Hello and welcome to Project Between, a podcast about third-culture kids and their experiences growing up between many cultures. I'm your host Hannah and today we'll be taking another trip down memory lane because my guest today is an old school friend from my teenage years in South Africa. She's my Taiwanese South African friend based in the beautiful city of Cape Town. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yeah, it's a pleasure and for our listeners, I, I feel like I have to explain that this is the second time we're recording our episode, because the last time, uh, all of a sudden, Cape Town was experiencing load shedding, which is something that you know I never personally experienced before. What is load shedding, Michelle?
1: Um, yeah, it's this crazy concept that is actually not novel um, in the world. South Africa actually adopted it from um, South American countries. Our system, well, our grid system can't handle the usage or the amount of usage um, because of failing infrastructure and that kind of stuff. Um, and they can't repair as quickly as demand. And so instead of waiting for kind of the overusage that will inevitably crush the grid and then we'd all be out of power, they switch off certain areas on like a schedule basis so that the system isn't overwhelmed.
0: Yeah, so because of this, I didn't get to see your face last time. Uh, we're recording this over Zoom, obviously. Yeah, and the reception was terrible. So,
1: I don't know, the audio, I'm not sure on your side. On my side, I could hear you, but audio was a mess to record. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm glad we're doing this again because, yeah, we we talked for almost two hours last time, and um, you helped me remember so many things that I'd forgotten. So and
1: You helped me have... You know, regain so much confidence for teenage (laughs) teenage me. Um, Yeah, it was fantastic catch up, and I'm so bummed that we. That's not gonna. That's not gonna go to air. But I'm also really happy that we get to do this again. Yeah,
0: me too. Me too. Yeah. So uh, last time we sort of walked through the TCK questionnaire, and I had additional questions at the end. But as I was sort of trying to salvage the the recording from last time, I I think today. We will go through the same questions, but I I did want to talk a little more about uh, what it's like to identify as a third-culture kid when you're a first-generation immigrant and you hold citizenship in that country, because I think so far my guests on the show have been people who were always destined to go back to their home country. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, these are third-culture kids who, like me, for example, I've moved and lived all over the place, but my passport has always been South Korean yeah um, whereas I think for you it's a slightly different a slightly story. different experience mm-hmm. a different story yeah so I think yeah you can be a third culture kid as a person like me but you can also have a different story growing up um, yeah. the way that you did so yeah I think um, if we sort of frame it that way more people can realize that maybe they too had a third culture experience even though their whole life maybe they thought they just tick the the immigrant immigrant box. box yeah I
1: find that actually first generation immigrants children um all have this this third culture kid experience in that they are straddling two very different cultures um one that is their parents and one that is their peers and I think it is actually harder for them in terms of identity because um for you for example, you were born in South Korea and, you know, there is this like homing device, you're going to go back. Um, whereas if you're born in a different country to your parents, you're kind of, there's this kind of tug of war between really where your identity lies. And I find that kind of, that seems to be the experience for most Taiwanese South Africans that I've met in that there's... Because the culture, South African culture, is so um, contrastingly different to Taiwanese culture, we kind of this we're kind of always yo-yoing between where do we stand on this
0: border. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think um, with that in mind, we can go through the third culture kid questionnaire. Okay, and yeah, I I was. So fascinated by your story the last time we were recording. And I think even as a kid, when I'd come and visit your house and so on, it was always nice to uh, see other third culture kids and how they were sort of dealing with it at home. Yeah. Yeah. So I will start the questionnaire and okay. let's see where we go. Okay. Okay. So the first question is, uh, please tell us your name and nationality.
1: Um, And this is where so it
0: starts getting complicated. Um,
1: So even... So, yeah, even with my name, my name on all of my, like, official documents, birth certificate is Yahoi, Kang Yahoi. But because it's all anglicized, romanized for South African documents, um, it was really hard. um, Well, I think difficult. I don't know. It's not really actually that difficult to pronounce, I feel, but maybe people don't try hard enough. But it gets kind of butchered by people who do not speak Mandarin and so I kind of got given the name Michelle, which is not on any of my documents. So that was a huge admin problem when all my school records had Michelle Kang and they were like, who is this person? <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, yeah, um, as I've grown, it's like lots of nicknames. And now um, I go by Elle and I've obviously changed my maiden name to my married surname, which is Ken. Um, so yeah convoluted story I was Kang Haohe and now I'm Alkin and then my nationality I was born in South Africa my parents are from Taiwan but because I was born prior to 1994 which is when <laughs> apartheid was over officially really I kind of had no nationality for a while which is something I, I found out recently even though I was born in South Africa because my parents at the time only held permanent residency in the country I was not considered South African and then I was naturalized when I was like seven years old, six or seven years old. But that like really just, I found this out while doing bureaucratic things at the Home Affairs office. But I just found that so bizarre that I, I just didn't have,
0: I, you know, I didn't belong to Taiwan or South Africa for like...
1: <laughs> seven years of your life. So,
0: so you were basically stateless for the first seven years of your life.
1: Yeah. And I was like, how, how is it that I was naturalized as a citizen? like from what country <laughs> like i was born here it makes no sense but so nationality wise i would say that i'm south african but it seems it's very strange <laughs> strange south african citizenship
0: yeah it's probably the one of the more unique stories that i've heard and to find this out so much later in life because I, I can picture you sort of like looking through your paperwork and being surprised yeah at this like blank yeah in the first yeah, you know, a few years of your life yeah well
1: actually I found out because our home affairs they launched a online service so you don't have to go into an actual kind of building you could do it online mm-hmm. but it's only available for South African citizens and I was like well that's great because I'm a South African citizen and um, only to come to find that I wasn't able to do it and then when I found when I went in to kind of sort everything out I was like well why can not I do this online they were like well you're not South African I was like yes I am they were like no not by birth
0: and they were like no I am they're like no oh but you aren't (laughs) yeah
1: it's very bizarre
0: yeah why don't I ask you the next question which is um what percentage of your identity would you attribute to each of the the places you've lived or the countries that you identify with
1: percentage wise I don't know I find I, I am very South African for the most part I feel but the Taiwanese in me is not negated at all. It's this, like, running joke between my husband and a really close friend of mine where they – every time they – because my husband's South African and she's also South African and they would always have these things where they would talk about, like, their childhood, what they used to watch on the television or, like, this, the restaurants they would stop at on road trips and that kind of stuff. And I, I would be like, that's not – No. <laughs> that's not correct that's not that's not right they have this writing joke that says like yeah even though I was born and raised in South Africa that I didn't have
0: a South African childhood um oh really in yeah. in what sense um because you watched Taiwanese TV shows or yeah so I didn't uh, well, I I had
1: Taiwanese parents so I didn't watch television really um outside of the television that I had like my mom would have on which would be you know K-dramas or Chinese, Taiwanese dramas, and,
0: oh, um,
1: okay. I didn't watch, um, cartoons, I didn't watch what was on the, on the, on, you know, the television, which is SABC one, two and three here, or, you know, like certain shows like Siva Delan or, um, that kind of stuff, which most South African kids did. Cause I mean, you know, I think South Africa in terms of, in terms of media and television, we're about a decade behind the whole, the rest of the world. So, um. There's yeah, there's certain things that every South African person at our age would be like, Yeah, that's totally what we did and watched, know. like CakeNet or we watched Mnet or and I was like, No, I don't know that show.
0: <laughs> you know what? I don't recognise any of those T V shows, but I think it's also because I didn't really watch TV either. Yeah.
1: And that would be that would be our parents' influence, right?
0: Yeah, and like most of the T V shows that I remember watching on T V were American TV shows, like Friends,
1: Or Seinfeld,
0: yeah, they would have reruns of Mm -hmm, mm you know like American shows that were popular at the time. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think this is yeah where we are quite similar. Similar. Yeah, I didn't watch any of the South African TV shows. Neither did I go to Wimpy for birthdays or Spur for birthdays. That was a thing, apparently. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's the the burger joint that kids have their birthday party at (laughs) in South Africa. Yeah, and there's um chain
1: restaurant spur which is everybody apparently went to for their birthday for free ice cream and i was like that's i didn't know that was a thing no i didn't do that <laughs> so i mean i've been to spur i just didn't it wasn't like the birthday place for me it was like apparently all south african kids went there for their birthdays
0: yeah no and speaking of birthdays i mean my mom hates it when i bring this up uh <laughs> but i always wanted a birthday party at our house uh-huh. um you know how in south africa because you know it's fairly suburban mm-hmm. usually if it's your birthday, you have kids come over to your house and like the mom hires a DJ when you're a little bit older, when you're younger, you have like a bouncy castle and maybe like a clown or something. I always wanted that, but I think it was too much pressure for my mom to arrange that. And she didn't speak English that well at the time. So she always discouraged it. And I was always this forlorn kid, you know, I was like, oh, but I want to hand out, you know, my birthday invitation. And, yeah, and goodie bags and party bags. and Yeah, but it's just not something that I ever had. Well,
1: I never had that as a kid. Actually, like in primary school, that was like most kids, I would go to these houses and have these birthdays. And um, I don't know. I, I mean, I think you're quite brave that you asked your mom for, for a birthday party at your house. I was too scared to ask my parents. Oh, really? Yeah, for a birthday party at the house. Um, but I did... I did have, like, close friends. I was encouraged to bring close friends home rather than go to oh, other yeah. people's houses. Yeah, yeah, I
0: did that. I mean, I think a few times I had maybe, like, four or five friends over at the house for my birthday, but this was when I was much older. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't really call it a grudge, but... It's just a, a very sensitive topic in our yeah. house. <laughs> it's, it's, I think
1: it's something that you wanted so much as a kid. And I think it's also something that you, it's very time sensitive. It's not something you can have now.
0: Yeah. yeah. Like, Mom, it's too late now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You've scarred me for life. Um, but yeah, that was, that was my experience. Um, okay. Uh, let me ask you the next question. Uh, what languages did you speak at home with your parents and with your siblings?
1: Um, My parents
0: spoke to us in the
1: majority of the time in Mandarin Chinese and then sometimes in like a dialect of Taiwanese and then between the siblings. I think as we got older, we speak a lot more um, Mandarin, but when we were in school, it was a lot of English, Afrikaans, peppered with like Greek and French because we went to kind of very international schools I went to a Greek school when I was younger for primary school until I was like 12, 13 and um, so we had to take compulsory we had to take Greek as a language Um, and we did Zulu and Afrikaans as well as Italian and French Um, oh my goodness yeah and then we did Mandarin on like Sundays (laughs) into Chinese school Um, so our siblings actually we do, like, a very weird, like, we, like, code switch and just tw- speak. We have, like, a very Frankenstein language that we speak. that like no one would really understand what we were saying, even if you understood some of the languages.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all of your siblings attended the, the Greek school? Yes, yeah. Is, is there a reason why your parents sent you guys to Greek school and not maybe, I don't know, like a Chinese school or...? I think it was, like, I think it was location-based plus... I mean, it was,
1: we used to walk to school. Um, but also I think we, the only other Taiwanese family at the Greek school was friends with my parents. Um, so I think when they enrolled us, I think it was just kind of like, Oh, we know this Taiwanese family and their kids are going to the school. So let's put them there. And it was also at a time where schools were quite sensitive about the kind of pupils that they were enrolling especially private schools Mm -hmm. yeah right so yeah but i think yeah i think it was it was location it was like close by and they knew people at the school all enrolled at the school
0: yeah yeah and if you were able to walk that's that's quite unusual in in south africa Africa, yeah you know
1: you have to get in a car to go anywhere yeah
0: you were walking to school oh my gosh i did not know that yeah
1: it was across the road from us
0: oh okay hmm yeah, and um, yeah, you're obviously the the middle child of five kids. That's right, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, what I loved hearing about the last time uh, we spoke was uh, you talking about the the five siblings as the big five.
1: Yeah, that's like our little nickname mm-hmm. for each other. It's like we call us yeah. the big five,
0: and then yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then actually, from the last time we spoke, and you and you asked like which animal represents which sibling. And yeah. And I said, no, actually, we never didn't. We never actually thought about it that deeply. And I posed the question to my siblings after the fact. And we all just kind of were all also just a bit bewildered. Like, actually, we don't know. <laughs> we wouldn't know um, which sibling is which. Uh, but we did all agree that my brother would be um,
0: the leopard. The leopard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for listeners who aren't familiar, uh, the big five, those are the the five. Animals that uh, are on the South African currency, which is the rand, mm-hmm. and I think the five animals are the elephant, leopard. Uh, so I think the ten rand is the rhino. Yeah. So
1: the rhino, the elephant, the lion, the buffalo,
0: the leopard. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Mm. And it's, they're actually known as the big five because they are the hardest to hunt. I think successfully oh, hunts. So. Yeah, it's that they're the hardest animals to successfully hunt in South Africa. Mm. Or bring down, apparently.
0: Yeah, I, I can't remember the last time I like held um, rand in my hands. I'm gonna have to shuffle through my drawers to find something to remind myself what it looks like. It's also, yeah, <laughs> um, I get told it's very colourful. Oh, it is very colourful. Yeah. yeah.
1: I get told it's very colourful all the time, and I forget. Like I forget that the dollars, dollars, US dollars are just all green. Mm. Um, but yeah, I guess I see it every day, so it's not really
0: yeah. a novelty to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, the big five. Yeah, I, I. um The last time when you told me about where each of your siblings have ended up, I mm-hmm. thought that was quite fascinating too, because. Yeah, there are five of you, but you're all dispersed, not only in South Africa, but all over the, the world. world. Yeah, over the globe. Yeah. It's so you're based in Cape Town.
1: I'm based in Cape Town. Um, My oldest sister is based in Joburg. Um, she was actually in the UK for a while. She ended up coming back to Joburg. And then my second eldest sister is in Xiamen, China. Um, that's where her husband is. And then it's me, I'm in Cape Town. And then my fourth sibling is currently in Taiwan. And then my youngest, which is the br- my brother, um, he's in Japan at the moment. So we're all, we're all just everywhere. And it's hard.
0: It, it's, it's really hard. Um, and my sister's also based in Canada and uh, coordinating a reunion and just like staying in touch can be difficult sometimes. Because of the time uh, zones as well. Yeah, time zones, and also like it's you know it's not the same being in a different country as opposed to just like being in the same space and just like you know or even in the same city. Yeah,
1: I think it's hard. Yeah, it's quite like difficult. Even though um, Susan is in Joburg and I'm in Cape Town, it does feel like a world away. Especially when we went into lockdown, Um, we couldn't even. Even if I drove to Joburg instead of fly, wouldn't I wasn't allowed to. Leave Cape Town,
0: and and South Africa is a huge country.
1: So. Yeah, it takes thirteen hours to drive from Cape Town to Johannesburg. So it's yeah, it's. I think that is also like something that's very common with TCK kids. Um, even if you are sing, like even if you're, that's not the word, not single, um, the only child, <laughs> single. Child. Yeah, um, even if you're the only child, I find that's what's really common with TCK kids is that the people that you love and hold dear to are always just kind of scattered around the globe. Never.
0: Yeah, and you just sort of accept it as a fact yeah. of life, almost. Yeah. Um If I bring us back to the the questionnaire, um, you mentioned that you and your siblings have sort of like Frankensteined your own language. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious, uh, what what languages do you speak, and what language do you dream in, and swear in? Um, I'm
1: hesitant to say that I speak the languages that. I used to say I, I'm so. Fluent, I used to say I was fluent in because, as you would know, um, as a polylingual person, I think like if you don't use the language, it kind of like flies out of your brain. Um, mm. So, so I used, quickly, yeah. So I, I think I used to be fluent in like six languages, um, and now not so much. I do speak English and Mandarin and Taiwanese, um, and I speak Afrikaans. Um, and all my other languages that I don't use have just all flown out of my brain. Um, so now I don't speak them anymore. Um, I dream in I don't know. I guess I dream. it depends. I think. I think like you said in your in your when you were answering these questions on your um, episode, it's, it's very it's very dependent on the situation. I think I dream, and the person, or the people, in the dream.
0: So I, d- I dream in 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 all the languages that I'm fluent in. But I think maybe even though those languages that you think you've forgotten, mm. in your dreams you might be fluent in them still, like Italian, yeah, and you know, French, like French, and <laughs> Greek. Greek, and <laughs> yeah. um,
1: probably I haven't actually, I haven't actually used Greek or French in so long. Um, I don't think I have dreamt in them in a while, but I do, um, but I do have something very strange is that if I'm writing or if I'm thinking about like emotive, um, emotive things, um, emotions and that kind of stuff, I do it mostly in English. And then when I am calculating or when I'm (laughs) using like maths or anything, or if I'm counting, it's in Mandarin. I don't know why. Um, all my numbers, if you ask me for a phone number or a my bank account number or anything, I would have to, in my head, i you know, say it in Mandarin and then I'd have to, like, translate it out into English for you.
0: That is so interesting. Yeah. I wonder why that is.
1: Uh, Probably because every time I went back to Taiwan, we had to go to, like, math school.
0: (laughs) 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 They, like, drilled it into your head. (laughs) Yeah. But it is also, Mm. Mandarin is
1: a very um, numerical, uh, it's got, like, a very – numerical system. It's it's very numerical language as well. January is EU, which is literally f- it's the first month in the second It's month. very
0: similar to Korean. Yeah. Like, yeah. I-wall, i-wall, sam-wall. Yes, sam-wall, yeah.
1: yeah. So it's very similar yeah. in that way. Um yeah, so and and the and the counting system is also like different to like an English counting system. I think the like, counting right. system is makes more sense in Mandarin,
0: like in terms mm-hmm. of mass. But that's mm-hmm. just me. Yeah, yeah. it's cool that in your head, you've sort of compartmentalized these spaces, like emotions are in in English, and then for like calculations and numbers, Mandarin. Mm. But I think it's
1: because English, you have like hundreds of words for snow, you know, like it's all, it's kind of like white is white, but it's also like, you know, cream and pearl and iridescent and, you know, like there's so many different words for one thing to describe one thing. Whereas mm-hmm. in Mandarin, white is white. <laughs> like, mm. There's no poetic way of saying white, you know?
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think if it's similar in Korean. I think it might be. Mm. Um, English does have a lot more vocab, I think, than yeah, some think other languages.
1: Because it borrows from, like, mm. so many different languages, especially, like, the Romance languages. So, yeah, it's much it's much easier to be poetic in English than it is to be in Mandarin. Not that you can't be... But it is easier, I find.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, funnily enough, I swear in Taiwanese a lot. Like, um, I swear in English and in Taiwanese. which I don't know if it's, you know, if it's true for you. But I find like when I swear in Taiwanese, it's when I'm ex- like exceptionally angry. And I find like when I swear in Taiwanese, it sounds so much harsher. But I think it's because. Like, it's, it was such a, it's like such a bad word, especially like for my parents or like in my family, you know? So I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the same for you. If you hear someone swearing in Korean, does it sound way harsh, way more harsh than if it was in English?
0: Yeah, I I think it's the same for me just because growing up, I never really uh, heard heard much, yeah, Yeah. much uh, swear words in in Korean. And Mm -hmm. obviously my, my parents weren't teaching it to me. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. When I hear it now, it, it takes me aback a little bit. Whereas I think in in English, you know, yeah, you hear word, all of this, yeah, like yeah, it, it yeah, just yeah. like you know, it just floats around in mm. everyday speech, and maybe that's why it doesn't seem as forbidden, like crass. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think I ever find myself swearing in in Korean, though. No. <laughs> I think it's English for me all the way.
1: <laughs> it's funny though. Like the first the first words I I learned in Korean were all swear words. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but um, when we were in middle school was when a friend, Tony, mm-hmm. our friend Tony showed up at our school. And I think I think I was like maybe 12, 13 at the time. And that was the first time I heard Korean swear words. And he was like teaching them to all the kids at school. Yeah. And I'd never heard of these words. So I went home and, and asked mom, like, mom, like that new kid, Tony, is teaching us these phrases. Like, what does it mean? And she was like, oh, oh, my gosh. Such terrible language yeah. <laughs> coming from a little boy. Yeah. Well, yeah. he is exactly
1: the reason why I know these words. He taught me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> he taught me all my Korean swear
0: words. <laughs> he's to blame. Yeah. Maybe I need to Maybe I need to grab him for um, an episode. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, I think he's um, also back in South Korea. He is. He is. So, yeah, you, you've reminded me that I, I should probably reach out to him as well. Collect all the, the South African mm. Koreans. and see if our stories match. Maybe he'll deny that he ever taught um, us such (laughs) bad words.
1: Well, he is a father now, so he probably (laughs) would be
0: hesitant to be
1: proud of teaching kids (laughs) swear words. (laughs)
0: Um, Okay, to to, uh, switch gears a bit, um, I wanted to ask you what your go-to comfort food is. And I know this is a difficult question for you because you have to pick one.
1: It is so difficult. It's so, so difficult. And I feel like, my answer today is going to be completely different from my answer that I gave you a couple of weeks ago. Um, But yeah, I think anything, my go-to comfort food actually always has to be something like a stew and rice. That's like, or like a stew, like a stew or a soup with rice. Um, And actually recently it's been, well, not recently, well, since we had our conversation, it's been this Nigerian stew, um, called igusi mm-hmm. and jollof rice and it's like spicy and it has, so the stew is got like crayfish powder and also, um, igusi, which is made out of, um, melon seeds. And it's so moorish and so, yeah, it's very complex and got like spices in it and jollof rice. And on the side, it, it just, also very spicy, it's got like scotch bun peppers in it and it's just very comforting. I think it's also because it's like hot it's like hot stew with rice. But anything like even like um Sundubuti and that sticky Korean rice is just oh it just put me in a good mood, you know? Like if I'm having a really mm. bad day, that's what I want. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think a couple of months ago, if you had asked me the question it would have been, you know, a lot of Taiwanese dishes um okay yeah um just because we had a loss in our family so we had it was just like just Chinese food was what I was craving and wanting and thinking about all the time but now recently it's been a goosey and jollof rice and um, actually goosey you're supposed to eat it with fufu which is kind of like pup I don't know if you remember um, yeah, yeah, yeah I do and for your listeners it would be like this maize meal that's kind of cooked until it's the consistency of like mashed, like hot, like not mashed potatoes. I think more like Play Doh, but doesn't taste like Play Doh. It tastes really delicious. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's usually served with that, but I would, I like it with jollof rice.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to have to look that up. I don't think I've ever had it, but I find African cuisine is so diverse and it, the spices and everything. It, it just, it's just so, it looks so appealing, even and in, I just as, as a photo. It smells so
1: good. It just smells so good. And it's a very sensory experience to eat it. Like you use your hands most like, well, when, when I've had it, it's like you eat it with your hands and it's like, it's so complex. It's nothing like, you know, at, at least it's nothing, nothing quite like it in East Asian cuisine. It's really good. Yeah.
0: And, and this is something that you make at home or do you like go to a restaurant to eat it? Um,
1: so it's Nigerian cuisine. I was actually introduced to me, um, via, friend of mine. I don't know if you remember Moody. I feel like I'm dropping a lot of names. I
0: remember Moody. (laughs) How could I not?
1: Yeah. So she actually introduced it to me. um, And then she gave me a recipe. And and there's like a very specific store that you have to go to to get the egusi powder or the egusi seeds. um, Because it's not something that South Africans actually eat. That's also something like, I find like my comfort foods, as much as I was like born and bred here in South Africa, my comfort foods, are not South African dishes. I don't know why. That's like, not.
0: I mean, and I think also, <laughs> if you're somebody who's interested in food, mm. um, as I am, as you are, yeah, um, you know, you, you like to try out different recipes and mm-hmm. try out foods from different cultures. And you know, sometimes you fall in love with something that you didn't grow up on, but it can offer a lot of comfort, comfort. when you finally find it. Yeah, I think so. Mm.
1: Um, but also I think like South African cuisine, it's just for me, doesn't hold any memories for me. It doesn't hold anything for me. And so it's not comforting. I find like a lot of my comfort foods are based around my friends and my family. Um, and then a lot of my friends, even if they're South African, have kind of a heritage. Um, and so at home, they're not cooking standard South African fare it like the homes that I've been invited into to eat at have been you know like Nigerian food Ethiopian food Italian food you know like Korean food it's and those are the those are like kind of the cuisines that hold comfort for me rather than South African I guess not that there's anything wrong with South African food <laughs> like
0: yeah, yeah yeah but yeah but I'm um also thinking that that says something about south africa as a country because i mm. think it is such a melting pot and it is so diverse mm-hmm. that yeah maybe you know all of those influences that you mentioned mm-hmm. are a part of you know what south african cuisine could be
1: yeah i think 100 percent mm. south african south african is south africa is kind of like made up of like immigrants but yeah Mm, what's what Google says South African cuisine is is not something that that holds comfort to me, but
0: yeah, I mean the the only thing I can think of is like braais, but I don't know how specific that is because you can pretty much pop anything onto, onto a braai yeah. yeah
1: um mm-hmm. so a braai would be for international listeners a barbecue I guess a barbecue yeah <laughs> um no. but yeah so so I think bourevoirs horse is a very South African thing. Pap is also a very South African thing. Babueti, I'm not sure if you remember babueti at all. Um, which it's is kind God, of. I don't like, remember. It's like the South African version of like a cottage pie, I guess.
0: Mm. Um,
1: But it's like made with chut- chutney and it's slightly sweeter. Malva um, mm. pudding mm. is South African. It's very South African. I um, miss milk tarts. Milk That's tarts. What I miss. Mm. Uh, yeah, milk tarts. They it. don't sell those. Uh, no. <laughs> And it's, it's, it's hard to get right, I feel. Like, it's hard to make it at home. Um, but milk are really good. Um, but again, you see, milk are amazing and I love them, but they don't really hold much comfort. Like, they won't be my comfort food. Yeah.
0: Wow. I feel like we could talk about food for an hour. We should, we should do actually, that another time. Yeah,
1: we should just do that. <laughs> it like never a, ends. To a whole catch up based on food.
0: Yeah, I know. I think it's like an Asian characteristic where – you know like asian families will get together and they'll be eating but also talk about food food talking about
1: we could be eating food while eating
0: yeah eating breakfast right now and talk about lunch and also dinner yeah yeah that 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 tends to happen quite often so (laughs) okay let me ask the next question uh, which is name a place that informed your taste in the arts so this can be music Mm -hmm. art books
1: so I was having this conversation with my sister after we did our podcast. So I know these questions and I've been asked these questions and she actually told me, I don't, don't remember being, I remember myself being a bit of a nerd, not at all artsy or appreciative of art, but apparently according to my sisters, I was very arty and not a nerd. <laughs> so, um, but I didn't think that I appreciated arts at all. Um, when I was in school and I think um, in high school I only started appreciating art in high school after I had been to Europe and then, and then in varsity after i traveled a bit. So I think like Europe and being in being in cities and, and countries where I could see history in the streets was very mm-hmm. um, eye-opening because South Africa – well, at least the South Africa that I grew up in was just suburbs. Um mm-hmm. it was all kind of built in the like sixties, seventies. There's not there wasn't a lot of kind of old buildings and that kind of stuff unless you went into the CBD. and Johannesburg C B D was really dangerous <laughs> when we were kids. It still is now. Um and Yeah, I think, I think going to museums and, and like walking down cobblestone streets and looking at that kind of thing and like hearing how Rome was built, like on modern day Rome was built literally on top of ancient Rome. And like, it's like catacombs wherever they try and like build, um, subways. It's, Mm -hmm. I kind of started appreciating how history can influence your, like, current in your presence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think that's when I started appreciating art and, and, and really um, actively kind of enriched my life with it. And so, I would say, like, probably probably France, maybe a little bit of like Italy and the UK, but mostly I think France was a big influence.
0: Okay. Uh, speaking of, you know, all these amazing cities, uh, out of all the places you've lived, where would be your favorite city?
1: So I've only ever lived in South Africa and I lived I've lived in Johannesburg and I've lived in Cape Town. Um and I did like a tiny stint, like a 2-3 month stint in Taipei. Um but I think my favorite city is obviously the city I've chosen to settle down in, which is Cape Town. Um and I love Joburg and I do and I also do love Taipei. It's just it's a very different kind of lifestyle. It's so fast paced. Johannesburg is also so, um, stressful. I don't like, I don't know how else to explain it. Like when I'm in Cape town, I don't, I'm just so much more laid back than when I'm in Johannesburg. I think in Joburg, I just drive around like this with my shoulders up to my ears and I'm just constantly moving and constantly doing something or having to do something. Um, and it's like, so it's like South Koreans would say, it's like, bali, 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 Like, it's, it's go, 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 go all the time. And like in Taipei, it's also the same. Like in Taipei, it could be 4 a.m. and you could walk downstairs and purchase anything you wanted from like a pair of underwears to like a brand new television. It's like everything is open all the time, always. Mm. Um, which is convenient. Sounds like Seoul. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's convenience and it's different, but it's a very different kind of lifestyle and it's, I enjoy I enjoy Cape Town, even though it means like sometimes on Sundays no one is open, and if you haven't done your grocery shopping, it's like too bad. Um, mm. But it is; it's more laid back, it's more relaxed. It's, um, you know, people are out cycling and surfing and rock climbing. Yeah,
0: and it's just such a picturesque city, and there's you have the mountain, the Table Mountain, and you have the beach, and just I think the city centre is so much more vibrant. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I envy you for being based there. Okay, um, so the next question is, when did you first hear the term third culture kid and realize you were one?
1: I actually, I didn't know about this term, third culture kid, um, although I had experienced talking about this like phenomenon of feeling like not really belonging to any culture. Um, but actually hearing the term third culture kid was recently, um, like even as recent as like just after graduating varsity, um, and then really, um, understanding kind of the description and, and, and identifying as one, um, in the last couple of years, you know, like, mm. I would say, like, in the last six or eight years. So not,
0: not too long. Fairly recent. Mm. How did you come across this concept? Um,
1: I actually started to gain, like, more and more friends internationally. Um, and that's when I heard it. Like, I don't think it's something that South Africans really – like I said, South Africa is about a decade behind the rest of the world at all times. Um so it's, yeah, it's not something, um, that we, like people here discuss al- often. Um, it was something that I heard from an American friend of mine, uh, third culture kid. And I was, at, at initially, when I heard third culture kid, I think I was a bit, bit confused. Um, I was like, how, um, how would that work? You know, you don't come from three cultures. But I think, like, now my understanding of it is it's, you are the third culture, it's the amalgamation between, your parents' culture and the culture that you grew up with. And that's made mm-hmm. you the third culture. Um right. Which yeah. That's that's yeah. That's kind of I don't know, does that make sense? Mhm.
0: <laughs> okay. Um and yeah, and, and last time when we were talking about this, I thought it was so interesting how um your husband who's also um is is he is his family originally from Taiwan as well? No, no. Um,
1: his family is actually originally from uh, China and, okay. Malai- and Malaysia. So his grandfather's from Malaysia. His grand is from China, um, and then his gra- and then his grandparents on his dad's side is from Batsan, China. Um, but that he's he would be considered an immigrant to South Africa, I guess, because his grandmother was born here. Um and went back to China and then came back here. And his parents were born here. Both his parents were born here. All of his siblings were born here. So all of his cousins were born here. So he's like third third generation Yeah. And so he only speaks English. Um, and he wouldn't consider himself a culture kid at all. He's only yeah. culture is South African.
0: Exactly. And I think last time you spoke a little bit about how um, because he's an immigrant in South Africa and his family only speaks in English – Um, there's like, uh, like the Easter games, I think you said you called it.
1: Oh yes. Yeah. Um, So there's like a, there's a whole community here, um, made up of what they call them. It's called the South African Chinese association. Um, which is quite like, kind of like this Chinese is used in a kind of like this broad breaststroke, um, because mm -hmm. it's like immigrants from China, Taiwan. I mean, there's even like some people with Korean heritage, um, that only speak English. And uh, maybe even Afrikaans and, and, and Zulu and Corsa, but they, um, are South African. And so their fam, their families immigrated here. Um, some of them actually, families came over, um, as really cheap labor during the gold rush. Um, and so, yeah, so they have a community here that's quite, um, um, eager to like hold on to. Kind of their East Asian heritage, even though it's kind of like all over the place. Um, and so they do over Easter, they have um, this thing called the Easter tournament where, um, you know, all the Chinese, local Chinese people, local East Asian people, they from all the cities Cape Town, Durban, Joburg, PE, Bloemfontein, they all kind of um, organize to have a tournament, usually in one of the cities. And um, we all kind of just migrate there and they play they like make up teams from all the cities and they play like basketball and soccer and tennis and that kind of stuff. Um, But I think it's mostly just an excuse to meet other local East Asians and kind of immerse themselves in a little bit of that culture. That's really like, I feel like very much is lost um, in like immigrant families. Like my husband, Mm -hmm. Yeah, before he met me, he, would like, would eat, like, pasta and burgers for dinner. And, like, if I – when we first got married, if I made Taiwanese food two nights in a row, he would be, like, again. <laughs> like, we're we having rice again. <laughs> like, what is this? Um, like, now he's more like, yeah, where's the rice now?
0: Um, yeah. But, yeah. Well, but before- this, is, this is what I find so fascinating because I think um, growing up for – us um if we had known about the Easter tournament or the fact that there was like, this whole community of East Asians um I would have certainly found it quite comforting and I would have liked to you know take part in that mm-hmm. but I just didn't know that such things happened
1: I also and I also didn't know about it until I was in varsity when I, started, I attended UCT I made friends that were of East, like East Asian friends and some of them were local and they were like yeah are you are you going to Easter tournament and I was like I have no idea what that is
0: Um, yeah I think I think we were too busy for you going back and forth between South Africa and Taiwan and for me going back to Korea to know about any of this and yeah it's 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 weird to think that there was a whole community that was out there doing all of these things and we were just
1: unaware yeah
0: yeah I think we were too busy with our lessons and math homework and Chinese mm-hmm. school and Korean school. school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. When yeah. I heard the Damby's episode and you guys went to Korean school on Saturdays, I, I actually laughed out loud. It's like, is that is that the thing that immigrant parents do? <laughs> it's like trying to force so. their kids to hold on to culture. Um, yeah, because I, you know, I hated that. I never had any weekends.
0: Yeah, me neither. Me neither. Um, I didn't grow up in Korea, so I didn't go to these like cram schools or hagwans as yeah, call them yeah, yeah. in Korean. But that doesn't mean I didn't have all these extra lessons to go to. I was taking flute lessons, extra English lessons, and math lessons, and yeah. Korean school on Saturdays. Yeah. It was a whole mm. schedule.
1: And it wasn't fun. I think it wasn't like extra not fun. I think if I had been in Taiwan and I had all of this I would still have all of my friends doing the same things. But I think growing up in South Africa and having to do all of these extra lessons and none of my friends were doing it, it was like, <clears throat> yeah, it was so incredibly boring.
0: Yeah. Friends were always like, why? Why are you doing all this extra work? You should play. Yeah. And I was like, you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a uh, choice. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, well, in that vein of thought, uh, what's the hardest thing? about being a third-culture kid, do you think? I think your identity.
1: I think your identity Mm. is something... Well, for me, my identity is something that I struggled with and I still struggle with often. Um, It's really... um, It's really hard to be proud of who you are if you can't mm, be sure of who you are. I think... Now that I'm older, I'm a lot more comfortable in my own skin and I'm sort of kind of more comfortable in who I am. Um, but when I was younger, even in even in varsity and even when I was f- the first couple of years of working, I used to get, like, coloured contacts and I used to dye my hair and I used to um, do and say certain things to be seen as very South African or very... Um, Western, um, Mm -hmm. to feel, uh, included, I think is the word, I think it's really hard. It was really hard then to be proud of myself. Um, and now that I have children, I think it's just so easy for me to be proud of who I am and my heritage, um, and my two different cultures. Because oh, really? Did
0: being a parent suddenly like crystallize all of that for you? Yeah,
1: yeah. I yeah. think because you sit with this kind of like internal struggle and this like internal "what if" like I'm not good enough. And then as soon as you have kids, I'm like, my kids are good enough. 100 percent they're good enough. My kids, for me, you know, like walk on water. My, they can do no wrong. And so it's like I want them to be so proud of who they are and to know where they come from, to know their history and to know the different cultures in which. Um, they, you know, will be kind of immersed in. I do want them to be South African, which they are, and they were born here, and they have every right to call themselves South African and to be proud of that. But I also do want them to love their skin and love my parents' culture, you know, their grandparents. Like, it's not just the food and the language, you know there's like all these little things there's like little sayings and the lang like um i'm not sure how to phrase this my brain is kind of like misfiring today it's yeah i want them to be proud of and pr- i want them to be proud to embrace that side of them rather than hide it and i think that was the hardest thing for me as a ttk is that i think i found I probably hid hid a lot of myself, even from friends, um, because I was maybe
0: embarrassed. Well, what's something you love about being a TCK?
1: I think I love the fact that I can call these different cultures my own as a TCK. I think it's always... It's always really hard to explain to someone who's only from Taiwan or who's only from South Africa, certain things that I find really funny, <laughs> but other mm. TCK kids would be like, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um And I do, I really enjoy that. I think I, I get to experience and, and feel and see and hear a lot of things from very many, Different perspectives uh, compared to someone from just one culture. Mm -hmm. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think that's my favorite part too. Um, This ability to relate to people from various backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and like you said, like when two third culture kids meet each other, there's that instant connection. Yeah. And yeah, and I think there are definitely things that we find funny. Just because mm-hmm. we went through some of the things, mm-hmm.
1: I think also it's okay. May- maybe because we have a shared experience in the South African childhood, but also there's like parallels. Even though your family's from South Korea and my family's from Taiwan, this we're, our, our lives are kind of running parallel to each other, and it's so interesting to know that. And I feel like um, after our last conversation, I felt so just instantly so much more like connected to you, even though. We've had, like, a childhood together. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's also, like, nice to know. It's, it's like comforting to know that, like, we had very similar experiences.
0: Yeah, me too. I felt exactly the same way. And um, it, it was surprising that we'd only known each other for, I think, two years in high school. I know. It still blows my mind. I know. Um,
1: when we sat down and, and it was, like, those were the actual years that we'd known each other. And it actually accumulated to so only two years. I just... I couldn't believe it. I felt yeah. like I feel like I've known you. I must have known you in person for way longer than that.
0: But yeah, listening to you talk about your childhood and like how many things we had in common, um just knowing that was a huge comfort for me as well. And yeah, sometimes I think all it takes is just knowing that you're not alone in experiencing all of these things for you to feel like wow, like I, you know, this is my place in the world and it's sort of all okay because you have others who are going through the same yeah. thing. Mm. Man, it was nice. Yeah, talking about our childhoods all over again. I think I think I could talk about this um, endlessly. Uh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, because you remember new things. Yeah, you're my memory keeper in a sense. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so let me ask you the final question, uh, which is, where is
1: home for you? Home is Cape Town. Home is Cape Town. Yeah. And it's strange, um, cause I spent the majority of my life in Joburg. But yeah, when I come back to Cape Town, there's this immediate sense of like peace, I guess, it's maybe, or maybe peace is the wrong word. It's not that I'm like in agony anywhere else in the world. It's just feels right. Like when I'm back in Cape Town, it's like I'm on the right side of the world or something. Um, as much as I enjoy traveling and I do, I love traveling and seeing other places and being in other, um, and I love going back to Jobu because there's family and friends there as well. Um, but home is definitely Cape Town, which is a bit surprising because I don't have family here at all, and neither does Dylan. And it's just us.
0: Well, it sounds like you've sort of become a unit, a family unit, and that's probably why Cape Town is the home base now. Oh, I love that. And, and like I said, I, I need to, I need to visit. I think I'm gonna plan the next few years around this grand idea of going back to all the places that I lived and yeah I think it'd be really nice well um so today I, I tried something a little different I sort of wove in um, additional questions I had into the TCK questionnaire and so I think I've asked you all the all the questions I had um, but yeah just to wrap up I was curious like what what was it like sitting through this again, <laughs> the second time the second and... time
1: yeah like well like I said the the first recording I love that you're doing this I love that this series is happening and you are speaking to all these different people and and I'm getting to hear all these different stories and it's so interesting and yet so comforting to hear these stories because it's like this the commonality through all of them these episodes that I've I've listened to um I find myself going, oh, that's exactly like me. Um oh that's a very interesting way of seeing it. I saw it a different way. Um and I love that you're giving a platform for these stories to be heard. And yeah, I, I love hearing what everyone's comfort food is. That's like my
0: favorite question. <laughs> oh the comfort food question? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's always yeah, really Uh, interesting and surprising at times Mm -hmm. too yeah Um, but yeah i i've i've loved talking to all of my guests thus far and i'm so happy that you agreed to be a part of it because yeah like like i mentioned in the intro i think there are many different ways of being a third culture kid in this world and sometimes you know you're a third culture kid because you moved countries every two or three years but you can also be a third culture kid because you know you're family decided to move to a different country and settle there and so that's the world that you've known and yet it's so different from uh, the the childhood that your parents had and so there's that disconnect and so yeah I think I've been collecting all these stories and it's really like enriched my understanding of what it means to be a third culture kid and also yeah it's always so fun talking to people and you know hearing where they're, they're coming from
1: yeah, I think it's also really nice to, to listen um, to these stories and realize that there's so many ways to be a TCK and that there's not just, mm-hmm. you're not just floating about. Everyone has kind of the individualized story. I mean, the co- common thing is that we've woven two different cultures into our existence, right? Um And I think that's really nice because I think um, most of the South African Taiwanese TCK kids that I know have all gone back to Taiwan. Um, Not a lot of them have stayed. Um, And, yeah. um, And I don't know if it's because they feel like they are more Taiwanese than they are South African. I don't think that's, that's the case. But they've all just moved away.
0: I think what makes our stories and our journeys interesting is the fact that um, we don't know where anyone will end up uh, just like your siblings. You guys are living all over the world now and um, with a lot of my TCK friends. Yeah. I'm I'm never certain that they're going to, you know, stick to that one place that they're living currently um, for the rest of their lives. And so, yeah, our stories are still being written in a sense. And I think that's the beauty of it.
1: Yeah. I think, What's really nice is that I've now, I think I can now understand that instead of having, instead of trying to define myself as one specific thing, my identity is actually ever evolving and I can constantly add to it. I don't ever have to, I don't have to just say I'm one thing and only stick to that that one thing because you don't live in one place all all your life and only do one
0: thing all your life. Okay. Well, on that note, I think yeah, I've I've asked you all the questions that I'd prepared, and yeah, like I said, it's it's been really great to spend time, spend more time with you. It has. Today. It's been
1: really good. I don't know. I feel like I had so much more to say in our first recording, <laughs> so I hope I haven't like zoned out and just not answered anything correctly.
0: Oh no 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 no. Um, this was more than plenty, and so. Yeah, thank you for coming on the show and um and for sharing your story with us. Um do you want to say goodbye to our listeners?
1: Yeah, thank you for listening and thank you Hannah for having me on the show. Like I, I just yeah. It's really nice. It's like a little trip down memory lane. And yeah. and also it's just it's so nice to be part of this kind of discussion. It's it's thank you.
0: Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Um, Well, okay, to our listeners, thank you for joining us and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. We'll see you next time. Bye! Bye!